0: Hi everybody, it's Tom from Cricket Coach 365 and welcome to our latest podcast. Hi everybody, it's Tom from Cricket Coach 365 and welcome to our latest podcast. I'm delighted this evening to be joined by Dai Totti. Dai, her day job is in a high school local to us in Warrington, uh, but in Lim. Uh, but she spent for almost 40 years as a civil servant, but her life in cricket covers a whole range of things, where she was a safeguarding officer and club, club mark lead at Chester Boughton Hall, also where she uh, led on women and girls cricket. Uh, she's president of the Cheshire Women um, Crickets League, and she's also a non-exec director for the Cheshire County Cricket Board, where she leads on women and girls cricket activities across the county. So welcome, Di, and thank you ever so much for making time to join us on our podcast.
1: Thank you,
0: Tom. It's a pleasure. And let's just dive into our first question that we ask all of our guests, which is to give you the opportunity to describe, tell or explain that first recollection, that first memory that you have of cricket and how you're interested.
1: I actually fell into cricket having fallen out of football. Um, I was... I played football for Wales when I was younger wow, okay. and I also played hockey to a reasonably high standard as well and I played at Chester, uh, which is now Christleton actually, I played at Chester where I played hockey and football but um, as hockey was moving on to um, AstroTurf away from grass then Chester ladies at that stage decided they would fold because we didn't have access to AstroTurf uh, and I was probably ready to hang up my football boots and so I was looking for another team sport, basically. And I knew a couple of the girls that played some cricket over at Christleton High School. And so basically, that's how I fell into it. I fell into, into cricket quite by accident, really. And I was looking for another team sport, even though, it, even though it was different times of the year. Obviously, cricket's more summer, if you'd like to think of the season being like that. But, um, you know, obviously not playing a winter sport. I, it was team sport that really interested me.
0: And when you said fell into and fell out of, I was just wanting to make sure it wasn't a literal <laughs> meaning of that. But, uh, but you've explained uh, that you know, really articulately. So, so it was uh, looking for that new team sport. And if, even though it was summer, so ha- what, what were your first recollections of that uh, welcome that you got from, from cricket that first time?
1: Um, I remember that so I, I knew a couple of the girls from Christleton
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and they were playing at that stage at the high school Mm-hmm. Um, and so gradually, I think within, you know, within certainly the first year or two, they moved across to Crystalton Cricket Club itself. Yeah. And that created opportunities, obviously, to start thinking about playing more organised cricket because we were sort of, you know, in, in a not really a league at that stage. So it was 1985, actually, that we started playing league cricket Right,
0: um,
1: as, as Crystalton. Uh, and we remained at Crystalton and say, until such time as we moved across to Boughton Hall. And the only reason we moved across at the time was um, Crystalton themselves, the men, had, had managed to achieve uh, Premier League status. So they were looking for a bit more time on the square. We also, at Crystalton had to open up the bar, open up the club, collect the money at the end of the night, take the bar takings back. So, you know, when, you, when you're locking up like 11 o'clock at night, it's not great. So, when the opportunity came along to move to a modern clubhouse like Borden Hall have got mm. um jumped at the chance basically because you know that meant we could just go and basically train and play cricket rather than have to worry about all the other bits that went with it. having said that Cruston is a superb club mm. uh, and it's it's gone from strength to strength under one of the the first people I remember playing with is Mandy Harding,
0: so right.
1: whether you remember yeah. mandy's won a uh, grassroots award last year. And check. Yeah, no, no. So I mean,
0: you I'm, and I go back a long way. <laughs> no, no. I, I, yeah, I, I remember meeting Mandy last year. And uh, so, yeah, that's 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 great to, to kind of, um, you know, bring it full circle back to, to Christleton, and I, um, and I met a few of the people at uh, on at this year's awards. Um, because yes. uh, the guy who's running the under-19s, he and I used to work together. Um, so, and his son sort of uh, got involved in cricket. He never played cricket. But... Uh, he, he's, he's running the under-19s, having kind of you know, worked through the age groups with his son's age group. Um, so, yeah, lots of lovely people there. But, what, but was, was there already a, a, an established women's section at Chester-Boughton Hall when this move across from Christleton happened?
1: There, there had been, but they'd folded, actually. Oh, right. um, I, I don't know whether you remember um, a lady called Maria Hilditch, she goes back a long long way mm-hmm. and she was one of the stalwarts that had real battles with the ECB in the early days um because when we first started playing um we were Lancashire and Cheshire cricket league okay um and eventually you know sort of after a number of years of sort of being a combined league where um, we had clubs from obviously the Lancashire area and obviously the Chester area. Mm-hmm. Um, it was decided that we would split, but Maria Hilditch was one of those key people that helped to formalise uh, the Cheshire uh, set-up. Right. Um, and I know she used to go down to London and bang the drum about women's cricket an awful lot. So we've got a lot to thank her for, really, in the fact that you know we are where we are because of people like her.
0: Absolutely, um, absolutely. So and I think when
1: when Lancashire and Cheshire actually split, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people thought, well, that's the end of Cheshire. When in fact, we've gone from strength to strength in terms of grassroots cricket in what we can offer for women and girls. Um, and Lancashire, unfortunately, I think they do county cricket and, you know, sort of semi-pro cricket very, very well. Mm-hmm. But Cheshire do club cricket exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it was one of those things whereby... In the early days, we had maybe 10 teams, 12 teams, and you'd lose a couple of teams because they would fold, and Chester was one of those teams that folded before we actually moved across there ourselves. Um, right. And it was just its just one of those things, into, you know, sort of uh, teams come and go because it wasn't really sustainable. Sometimes, and you know, clubs may still do this now these days, I don't know, but certainly in the, those early days, a lot of clubs started a women's-girls section to tick a few boxes. Mm, okay because it opened a few doors, basically. Hmm. And it still, it still does now, to be honest. <laughs> you know, so, as I say, Cheshire have gone from strength to strength. Um, we've now got, I think it's 32 um, hardball teams, about 20, 20, 27 clubs, something like that. Softball, we've got 11 clubs with 17 teams. Um, and we have... Teams and clubs from outside of the county looking to join us. So, a couple of years ago, Leyland joined us from Lancashire. Mm. We now have um, Greenfield, which is based around Oldham, and they've come into the Cheshire League looking for something that perhaps Langs can't provide at the moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, Langs have got a plan, obviously, but you know it takes a while to get those things formulated.
0: Mm. Um,
1: and so, you know, at the moment, we are we are taking clubs from uh, outside of Cheshire. Right. There'll come a time, of course, when we go. Hang on a minute, enough's enough, because we're a bunch of volunteers at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and as as the league grows, so we need to try and grow our volunteer base as well. Absolutely. And um, that's not, and that can that be tricky. No different. No different to men's cricket at all, Tom. Hmm. As you well
0: know. Yeah, no, no. It's got. It, it, we've you know both. I think have got his challenge their, their challenges. But if we if we go back for a moment or two, just to understand that kind of environment and context that you uh, started talking about when you moved to Chester-Boughton Hall um for the first time and you said there were about 10 clubs in in the league when Maria Hilditch's hard work had um created the Chester Women's League for the first time so a, a lot of people that I've spoken to on the podcast um have have talked about how even sort of 10 15 years ago uh, the amount of cricket that was available to them was limited and um there were you know long distances to have to travel to to find opposition but if there were 10 teams within that kind of original if i understood you correctly um that original cheshire women's league um that wouldn't have been the same for you would it it would have, i know cheshire's a large county but you're not having to travel uh, from you know chester to go to i don't know uh, middlesbrough uh, for example yeah. um, so so who who were the main sort of um clubs that were Already established and you know nailed their flag to the the Cheshire Women's League mast.
1: Yeah, but, well, the the world was very strong in those days. We had clubs down at Neston. Yeah, we had new we had New Brighton. We had Birkenhead Park. Um, sadly, again, you know, they they weren't sustainable. So as they dropped off, other clubs came in. Oakmere has been around a long time as well. Um, and I think over the years, the the clubs have become. The, the clubs that are really sustainable are, are exceptionally strong. You know, they've got depth. Um, but we started off playing just twenty overs. Okay. You know, and now, once so we offer a wide variety of cricket. You know, we offer forty over cricket, thirty five over cricket, whatever clubs feel is best for them. We try and provide that yeah. solution for them,
0: you know. But originally, it was twenty overs only.
1: Yes, originally, yes, we did. We played twenty overs, and then obviously a bit. You know, as, as people become. More interested in the game and skills increase and improve, um, then we p- looked for you know for, for longer games. But, but the, f- the first Cheshire League player um, to be selected for England was um,
0: Sarah. Oh gosh, her surname's just gone completely. Should, <laughs> uh, the surname <laughs> will come back to you, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> Collier Sarah Collier. Okay, Sarah Collier from Nesson, um, and then we had um, obviously. Laura McLeod, Laura was a Cheshire, Cheshire girl, she played her cricket at Crewe, they were one of the early teams, and Laura started playing when she was very, very young in the league, you know, probably 13, 14, something like that. Wow. Um, and then of course we moved on to Lauren Griffith, who was from Chester-Boughton Hall, she, she kept wicket. and then of course our most recent claim to fame is, is, is Sophie, yeah. Sophie Eccleston, yeah. Yeah. you know, she spent six years at, at Chester-Boughton Hall. So, um, so Cheshire's got quite a good history, you know, a good track record of perhaps getting people to potentially professional status for a, for a small county that doesn't really have a great deal of funding, mm. you know. It
0: punches it's it punches above its weight, really. <laughs> and and what, what what, were your first memories or recollections of your early experiences of playing at Christleton and then Chesterboughton Hall compared to your experience of having played hockey and football to a, a good standard and, and in football, you know, representing your country?
1: Well, football, it, I mean, there's been a lot of news around at the moment in terms of the history. Um, and, yeah, I, I started playing football in probably the, about 1971. So it was probably one of the early days um, of the players being allowed to play football, women being allowed to play football again. Um, but there was no money in that. You know, at the end of the day, uh, we had to make a contribution to our own travel costs. Um, we got one; we, we did get a cap, which is which is better than perhaps what some of the England players. But we only ever got one cap, which was a you know, representative of the games we played. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there was there's no money around in those days, and it was a constant battle for people to try and get sponsorship and things like that. Um, yeah. And you really relied totally on the FA, both Wales FA and the and the English FA, to 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 support it. Yeah, you know, when I was lucky enough to play for Prasatin Ladies football, which was quite a successful team, uh, and we had five players there who actually went on to represent Wales, which was which was great.
0: Wow. So where, where's where's your Welsh cap? Where do you keep that in pride to place?
1: Um, well, it's it's in a it's in like an old picnic basket, <laughs> wrapped up in tissue paper inside a padded envelope. Okay, so it's
0: <laughs> so it's safe.
1: Yeah, along with my coronation cap.
0: Ooh. What's your coronation cap? And
1: um, that was a cap that's made of sort of uh, like a silky type material. Mm-hmm. But because I was born in 1953, um, and it was the year of the coronation. Mm-hmm. Then uh, lots of babies were given coronation caps, okay. so I had my coronation cap, purple and sort of maroon sort of colour. Oh yeah, it's like a little tass- little tassel on it.
0: Yeah, very good.
1: <laughs> so, that's, so that's in the same envelope as my my uh, football
0: so so that so the, so even though you were um, an international um, footballer as well as local footballer uh, you 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 pointed out that uh, there was no money involved it, you had to contribute to your own expenses which was very similar for uh, international women's cricketers um, in the early days of course and even yeah. even till very recently even uh, county cricketers still have to well they most of them still do have to pay for their own transport yeah. and kit and so on um but in terms of those, because you said you fell into the game and you were looking for a new team sport, so okay, you knew two players already. But what what would you say the those early days? You know, in terms of your your memory and recollection, what would you say those early days sort of were? Um, you looking back on them, you know, sort of the best moments
1: the camaraderie you know i mean obviously you know it was competitive because everybody obviously wants to win but the camaraderie was great and at one time um we used to get some sponsors for the league we did get some sponsorship during the the 90s um and we became the um the Leighton's women's cricket league which was a firm solicitors uh we then became the northern marches friendly league as well as it was supposed to be friendly even though competitive So our our title has changed quite a bit over the years in terms of, um, you know, before we finally stuck with Cheshire Women's Cricket League. And it was, um, I think, certainly the early memories are, as they are, the camaraderie. But I don't know, the weather always seemed to be okay. I don't recall getting many rained off games like we seem to have these days. But that may be just my memory not being so great. I don't know.
0: And with you being both gifted with your feet and your hands, I'm assuming those um, you know, are your words, not mine. Yeah, my words. <laughs> but in terms, in terms of a hockey player and a footballer, um, so where did you get drawn or attracted to first when it came to the game of cricket?
1: In terms of what, what sort of
0: the yeah batting, the, 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 bowling, the, keeping.
1: Um, I used to bowl a bit, a bit I used to bowl a bit of spin, right? Um, and yeah, I batted as well. You know, we, I think we just sort of we didn't have a a regular opener or anything like that we just decided on the day of the game okay who's going in next and some people will go you know well i'll go and that sort of thing it was there was no real selection in that respect Mm. and then um then i moved into keeping wicket, which because i was a i was was a goalkeeper in football i was a goalkeeper in hockey okay so it was probably quite a natural progression Uh, and i moved into keeping wicket then uh, but over the years, I've 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 dipped in and out, done a bit of bowling, but done a bit of everything, and I still keep wicket now for uh, our
0: women's second eleven. Oh, fantastic! So that that's uh, that's not a bad uh, record, is it? Um, no, not really. <laughs> but uh, my words again, but they do say about uh, keepers in football that you need to have a certain a certain type of personality to be a goalkeeper. Uh-huh. I don't know whether that's true in hockey and in cricket from your own experience, but I won't I won't draw you in to get an answer. <laughs>
1: Um, Maybe you
0: should ask other people about that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know quite a few yeah. people. My dad, my dad was a keeper, and, my, and his dad was a, a keeper. So uh, they were the yeah. ones who kind of um, informed me of this in the first place. But um, so, so you you had lots of fun. Although it was competitive, it was friendly. Uh, there was this strong sense of camaraderie, um, and you experienced a little bit of spin to begin with. And then gravitated towards uh, keeping, um, and. Whilst you still play, but you, you said you've, you've moved into more of a kind of a management administrative role to support the development of the game. So how did that come to pass?
1: Well, it started very early actually, Tom. Um, probably from about the 1985 when we st- first started playing cricket, um, I started being the league rep, going you know from Christleton, going to the league meetings. Um, I've got a feeling that. Um, Mandy Humphreys, who played cricket at Christleton, she was the chairman of the league, um, and so I've been involved in the administration for you know since, well since since my inception really. Right. Um, you know maybe it's because I'm a bit of a bossy
0: boots. So I don't know. <laughs> but did you have the same kind of involvement when it came to your football and your hockey?
1: Um, probably not, um, because I think hockey was a much more established game. Mm. You know, and it had its own administrators. Mm. Um, you know, it, it had it had you know well established leagues. Football was starting to thrive, because um, you know, to be honest, football's about fifty years ahead of cricket when you think about mm. what cricket had to go through. Mm. Um, so, I think it's because cricket was something new, mm-hmm. um, and obviously trying to get it, people more aware of it. Mm-hmm. So that's probably why I got involved. Whereas I say. Cr- Hockey, football was was established. I, I did manage Prestatin ladies for a while and that, you know, but so. Okay. I was still playing at the time, you know, so it's, it's one of those things, isn't it, where you just don't step back quick enough and they're looking for a volunteer. You need to be a bit quicker on your feet and move backwards rather than be the one that left left in the front.
0: <laughs> I think that's very <laughs> modest. Um, so so you were from a very early stage involved in league representation um you know, building that awareness, growing that uh, that understanding and awareness of the game, of opportunities to play. Um, so, what when did you then start to um, to see, you know, more uh, of an opportunity to get involved uh, in the sort of in a broader context, in a wider capacity?
1: Ooh, when is is, a, is, a, is quite difficult, as I say, because I was involved from about 1985. Hmm. Um, I was league chair for, a, for for a period of time as well. Right. Um, Again, that was probably maybe late eighties, something like that. Um, And I think you know, from a league perspective, I've I've been involved ever since. Okay. um, In you know, in all sorts. I don't think I've ever been the secretary, which I'm quite happy about, actually.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But that's that. that, Even that in itself is quite an amazing story to hear. That you you were kind of a pioneer in terms of being one of the first to be involved as a league rep and you've still stayed um involved ever since that time you know back in 85 um I wouldn't say there'd be many people like that around the country um who've had that kind of longevity in the game supporting the um the structure the the infrastructure the uh, the administration the and as you described it you know increasing awareness of opportunities is that would that be fair to to, to say that or
1: I don't honestly know. To be to be truthful, Tom, um, you know, there's, there's a lady that plays cricket for Oakmere, and mm-hmm. she's older than me. She still plays. Um, Carol has been. In, you might know Carol Ingham.
0: Yeah, I do know know Carolingham? Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, and Carol has been involved in the game for many, many years, and I'm pretty sure that Carol was around in those early days, um, yeah. because I think Cheshire actually had a county team in the in those early 80s. Right. I know that some of the girls that played, and I think Carol was involved in that. Right. That early team, okay. You know, and some, some of the girls actually from that early team did go on and play for England. Carol Hodges is yeah. a, a name from the past. Carol right. played probably for England, certainly in the eighties. I would have thought, you know. But um, I'm sure there's one or two around who are a bit, maybe a bit longer in the tooth than what I am.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I and mean, they the, the, the may well be, um, but it's just it's fabulous to hear. You know, just a little insight into into your. Um, into your story of being involved for as long as you have and bearing in mind how you introduced you know the the start of your uh, involvement in the game falling into it you know um not not being something that you kind of grown up with uh whereas you'd played football and hockey um before that so um it's quite a remarkable story just putting it into those simple into those simple wo- wo- words um, so so in, you, you've already given us a bit of an insight into where we are now in in Cheshire uh, from a, a perspective of th- 30 plus hardball teams and nearly 20 softball teams um what what would you say has been the sort of the the biggest um catalyst for positive change um over the last few years in in your you know in your view of the women and girls game recreationally
1: in terms of Cheshire yeah yeah uh, again, I think it's the it's the people that we've had involved as volunteers. Again, I'll throw another name into the hat for you, Sarah McCann. Mm-hmm. You know, Sarah has been around, you know, in Cheshire cricket for a long, long time. Um and even when she worked abroad in Australia, she was still helping us set up um, you know, sort of a new way of looking at things. I think I know, that was probably in about the nineties, I think, probably. Um, when we had a bit of a shake up, a guy called Steve Douglas came along. And he said, you need to do things a bit differently. Of course, you know, we were just a bunch of women. Oh, who's this bloke coming along, you know, sort of uh, upsetting the apple cart. But Steve, I would say Steve and Sarah were the catalyst for change within Cheshire. Right. And I think from there, we've, we've just gone from strength to strength. Um, and I think this, the key to the success really has been the fact that we don't try to dictate to clubs what they will have or what cricket we will offer. We ask them, what is it you want? And if we can deliver that... And that's what we do. So that's why we have, you know, Division 1 plays 40 overs. Division 2 plays 35. Division 3 is a combination of 20 over and 30 over cricket. Division 4, which is for developing clubs, is 20 over cricket. Hardball stuff. And Then we've got Division 5, which is totally softball. Um, And this coming, you know, next season, we've got some of the softball clubs now wanting to join the Hardball League. Right. That's not the ultimate aim. You know, softball is, is... is a perfectly acceptable form of cricket and it's recognised by the ECB. But if we've got clubs that actually want to dip their toe in the water and they enjoy softball, and then some of them migrate into hardball, that's great. Mm. Absolutely,
0: great. yeah. And it, from my experience at uh, at Warrington, that that seems to be the kind of natural progression. So start not not for everybody, but um, to start in a softball game environment, um, build that sort of friendship circle. The camaraderie that you talked about before, right. and then the next step would be to um, to, to forge or create a, a hardball team. Um, we had the we had the ladies. I know I know they're not part of the Cheshire um, uh, Women's Cricket League, but uh, we had the the ladies from uh, Sefton Park Cricket Club. Uh, oh yes, come onto the uh, the. I
1: know Frankie.
0: Yeah, and, and they're absolutely amazing. <laughs> the yeah, yeah, crazy. yeah, absolutely brilliant. But but that that oh, girl. Yes, fantastic. But they've done a brilliant job of promoting um, women's women and girls cricket just f- through social media. Um, and, you know, use you, your word camaraderie. Um, they were quick to point out that neither of the two main. Sort of, I mean, I say there's only two. There's two that's unfair. On uh, there, are, there are a lot more main characters in that club, but uh, two of those characters didn't know each other at all. You know, they, they happened to come to that club at a similar time, but not at exactly the same time, and were introduced to cricket independently, and then became, you know, really, really great friends through the yeah. cricket club. Um, yeah. Which goes, again, back to your point about camaraderie. Um, so, so yeah, so so it sounds... I mean, five leagues, that's amazing. Um, you know, five leagues. And, and then from a, a girls' perspective, how, how do you, you see... five divisions, you mean? sorry. Five divisions, yeah. yes. Um, so, so in terms of the girls' side, you know, what, how would you see um, that having kind of developed and uh, and grown over the over the years?
1: The, uh, currently, the junior the junior girls' leagues are, look, are looked after by the uh, by the board, right? Um, and obviously, Richard Newton is the uh, lead there for, for cricket, but we've got a fantastic team of uh, cricket development officers, and we have four full time female officers. Mm. Led by Lewis, which is absolutely fantastic. Again, you know, probably a bit more than some of the, you know, the um, the first class counties.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: And I think again, that's part of the reason because we we work really well together. Mm. You know, the league and the board work really well together because we've all got that same interest. We're all going in the same direction. Um, And I think I could be wrong, but I'm sure it's around about 55 clubs now have got women's or or girls teams across Cheshire. Wow. And that's That's improving all the time. That's increasing all the time. And the the junior leagues, obviously, um, again, you know, girls' cricket is no different to boys. There's a drop off at certain points when they get to about age thirteen to fifteen. But with the work that goes in from the board, you know, people like Jess, Joe, Kerry, Marianne, Mm -hmm. um, that that really is keeping the impetus going, and we, we are seeing a huge increase in girls wanting to play cricket girls that are signing on to our courses you know the board courses that we run mm. um, so it's fantastic really mm. you know but that brings some challenges mm. don't get me wrong you know I mean yeah. one of the big problems of course is that um, it's time on the square
0: yeah there's, there's a huge
1: demand for time on the square isn't it you know yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean bodies have two pitches so that's helpful but you know some clubs only have one pitch mm. I mean you've got a couple of men's teams and four or five junior boys' teams and then maybe the, the girls' team as well, then, you know, time on the square is quite precious, really.
0: Which I think is then down to that teamwork aspect that you've alluded to as well, to, uh, you know, to to influence people in the right way um, so that, you know, the grounds, whoever's head of ground, uh, care, maintenance, whoever's um, the lead equivalent on the men's and the boys' side sees that there's value to be had um, and value to be gained by giving, um, you know, wicket space uh, and grass time to uh, the women and the girls. Um, one to- of the key again there,
1: Tom, though, is, is about how how women's and girls' teams need to become integrated.
0: Totally, yeah. You know,
1: you know it's, it's one of those things whereby I think it, turn the clock back some years ago, and I think girls sort of, well, we've come, you know, we're, 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 we're a girls' team or we're a women's team. So there were some expectations Mm. But you you have to work hard. You have to get yourself on the committee, Mm. you know, so you're part of the decision-making process. Mm. Uh, You have to be open to all sorts of suggestions. And yes, there will be some knockbacks in terms of you know you don't always get what you want. But I think the key thing really is is women and girls at clubs working hard to actually show clubs the value, the added value Mm. that having a women and girls teams bring. Mm. And I don't just mean in terms of the financial opportunities because it might get access to grants i mean just generally as a club mm. i think women and girls actually change the whole culture yeah which is great
0: 100 percent. i mean if it if it's true to say that balanced boardrooms in business outperform those counterparts that don't have balanced boardrooms then you know this it, it can be um, argued the same to be the case in sports clubs and recreational yes. um, community sports yeah. clubs um to what extent do you think the hundred on the women's side, and role models locally like Sophie Eccleston, um, play a, a positive part in influencing and um, you, you know the younger uh, members of clubs around the county who uh, are starting to play uh, cricket more regularly now.
1: I I, I, lo- I love the hundred. I think it's been fantastic for women's cricket. Um, you know, I know there's obviously some people who who don't approve of that short form of the game, and it's only 20 balls less than T20. But it's the whole pizzazz, the whole thing that goes with it. You know, it's it's professional women in their um, coloured kits. You know, it's a bit bish bash bosh, we know it is. But I think that's been fantastic um, in terms of engaging with the younger girls because what we're looking at as a league uh, we've made a sort of a, a collective decision that we will move away from whites and red ball cricket so we are pushing clubs now and we've been helping them with some you know some small grants towards uh, colored clothing but we are pushing clubs to try and move to colored clothing again to encourage younger girls and um, to, to, to play play the game and also to, some girls get a bit anxious at certain times, you know, so I don't have to talk about that. You know what I'm talking about there, Tom. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you can reduce the anxiety and people go out feeling confident playing their game. Mm. Then I think that's a bonus. So we've given ourselves probably... But we made the decision last last year, actually. So we've given ourselves about three, three years or so to get to remove all whites and red ball cricket. Our, our, the challenge is to find the pink ball that lasts 40 overs, basically. And yeah. we think we've found one. We think. Good. Because, I mean, you know this year that obviously there's been a huge problem with all the cricket balls, both in men's and women's cricket. Yeah, you know, yeah. am an
0: exception to that. No, but that sounds like a great initiative. And I know from our under-17s um, side, which has got um, two uh, 16-year-old female uh, players in that group, uh, they, they kind of um, had a bit of a... Uh, a change of heart regarding coloured clothing because last year we uh, consulted and asked them all if they'd like to um, have coloured clothing to play cricket in and they were a bit concerned that if they w- wore these this coloured clothing that looked that looked really impressive but then didn't sort of um, perf- uh, sort of match that impressive clothing with their performances would that kind of backfire on themselves so we so you know we listened and said okay no fine that's no problem and then this year it was like when can we get a colour clothing? Um, so, so, uh, so yeah, I think that sounds like a great initiative. Um, and yes, I agree with you. I think the hundred has been incredibly uh, powerful in promoting the women's game. And I think that uh, the uh, the way in which um, the the participants in that tournament have been so accessible uh, to um, spectators who have gone to watch live, I think, has contributed hugely as well. And the social media and the pizzazz, as you say. Uh, has really yeah. sort of um, enriched the whole experience, and I think you know there's there's a lot more to come there. Um, so, so any anything, any final thoughts from you in terms of where you see cricket for women and girls in the county developing over the next few years?
1: Well, probably about four years ago, we ditched our senior county side, um, and that decision was taken mainly because we were at a stage whereby. Um, our more experienced senior players were uh, not wanting to travel long distances like go down to Devon to play T20 and then it gets rained off but also we were having to use um, a lot of under-17s and you know it was a big test for them Mm. and it probably was putting a lot of pressure on the under-17s and so we took a collective decision that we would uh, put a hold on having a women's Senior county side, and that was partly fuelled by the thoughts that at that stage the ECB was ditching women's county cricket.
0: Hmm.
1: And then they did a bit of a U-turn, you know, (laughs) and they decided to carry on with certain stuff. But um, I think now, one of the things we did at the time when when we called it a day on, on sort of senior county was we threw down a gauntlet to some of these younger players and said, "Okay, when you are." Winning trophies, individual trophies in the league. When you're the league, you know the Division One best bowler or the Division One best batter, whatever it is. Then you know we think probably we've got it right in terms of their development—not not just their cricketing skills, but their mental development as well. You know whether they're able to um, sort of cope with the ups and downs of cricket. You know the highs and the lows. Um, so we threw down the gauntlet. I have to say now. Uh, we are seeing some of the younger girls starting to become some of the best performers in the league. And we have, I think we might have seven girls on the Thunder Pathway, actually, which, fantastic. Is, which is fantastic. Mm. Um, so we might, who knows, we might decide to go back to Senior County Cricket. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, that was run by Sarah and myself, so we'd obviously want more volunteers to do it. But it, again, if the appetite is there... Mm. You know, I, I would never say never mm. you know if the appetite's there and the format is there, the right format for us, and we've got the people who actually do want to play at a higher level on a more regular basis mm. um, then I would say that's something that we would we would consider certainly moving back into the county setup
0: well that's a that's an exciting prospect um, if it if it comes off, but like you said, I think your um sort of modus operandi of of asking clubs. Um, what it is that they they want and need um, when it comes to the women and girls game rather than dictating. um, Sounds like it's a a recipe for success for sure. And it's been an absolute joy listening to you uh, chat with us uh, this evening, Di. Thank you. And I mean, I'm sure everybody who does listen to the podcast cannot deny the depth of uh, knowledge and experience that you've just given us a tiny little insight into uh, from but from when you fell into cricket for the first time in nineteen eighty five mm-hmm. and have have never fallen out of it since. So uh thank you so much for sharing those those insights and those anecdotes and those stories. Um and you know it's been a, a pleasure to have you on the podcast.
1: Thank you, Tom. I've enjoyed having a chat with you. Um and obviously I would just say to anybody that's a listener if anybody wants to get in touch to ask about how we do things or whether we could, you know, they could have a chat with us about our approach to whatever, then I'm, I'm more than happy for people to contact me. It's not a problem at all.
0: What's the best way for people to contact you in that capacity?
1: And um, they can do it via email. I mean, if you've got my email address. It's not a problem. I don't mind you giving that out to people. My details, I think, um, will be on the on the Cheshire, Cheshire Cricket,
0: Cricket board website
1: on board, and also on the uh, on the league website as yeah. well. Okay. You know, so if I can help somewhere else, you know, push on with their women and girls cricket. Well, so be it. The one legacy I want to leave, actually, Tom, is I really want an over-40s women's county side for Cheshire.
0: That would be brilliant, wouldn't it? (laughs) What, even whilst you're still keeping wicket? That would be brilliant.
1: I don't think I'll be in the side. I'll probably probably be making the
0: sandwiches (laughs) and bringing on the water. Yeah, but that, I mean, in all seriousness, what a fantastic idea. Why not? Yeah. Why not? I've I've had initial
1: conversations with Yorkshire a little bit. Um, at the MCC, you know, the league play the MCC each year in an annual fixture. So the seed's been sown, and I think there's, I think there's a bit of an appetite out there for uh, senior women, you know, who still want to enjoy the game, but still, again, that's about the camaraderie mm. of it. Mm. Over forties, camaraderie, nice lunch, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We don't mind traveling a bit further and all those sorts of things. So yeah. hopefully, that, that that might come to fruition
0: one day. Well, that, that's that's a great idea as a as a as a Dai Totty um, legacy. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh thank you for for mentioning that as well, and for quite rightly, if if anybody uh, does want to con- connect with or contact Di, either go via the Cheshire, uh, the Women's Cheshire Cricket League, or the Cheshire County Cricket Board uh, website. Um, so thanks again, uh, Di, and for all all of our listeners, uh, thank you again for for following it, and please uh, share and leave a review, uh, and we'll speak to you soon. thanks for listening everybody as a reminder each cricket coach 365 podcast will be released every friday at 6 p.m on spotify and apple play after listening please leave us a positive review on spotify and share it with your friends and contacts you can also follow us on instagram at cricket underscore coach 365 have a great day